Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this episode, we're going to be looking at some Patriots news to start things off, which uh, there hasn't been much, but we got a little bit coming our way. So for the Patriots, they made a trade with the Chicago Bears, ended up trading away Nikhil Harry for a seventh round pick. Now, this does a few things. I think it also, uh, besides getting rid of someone who really hasn't played well in New England, it kind of clears up what could be a roster spot or a potential uh, roster spot that he could have still held on to um, in training camp and in going into the season. And so, unfortunately for Nikhil Harry, that situation just didn't really pan out because if you look at um, all of what he did, um, it really wasn't, um, there wasn't much there. He really, in all honesty, didn't pan out. If you go to 2019 and you look at just in general the 2019 draft, uh, there wasn't a lot of wide receivers chosen, but Marquise Brown was the first one chosen and he clearly was a better option and then if you want to go down from pick 32 to pick 36 you could have got Debo Samuel which we all know how he's turned out uh, for sure and the Patriots chose Joe Juwan Williams who was cornerback but if they had decided to go a little bit later in the draft they could have got A.J. Brown or just chosen instead of Joe Juwan Williams A.J. Brown so two solid wide receivers taken after the fact. Mecole Harmon, uh, he's done pretty good, um, at least uh, for uh, right now. So uh, better than, um, definitely better than um, the wide receiver Nikhil Harry. DK Metcalf was the 64th pick. They could have went with him. They could have went with uh, Deontay Johnson, who was with Steelers. Um, Would have been maybe a better option. Terry uh, McLaurin was a third-round wide receiver choice. Um, Much uh, better, for sure, than uh, what they went with, um, which is uh, a tough pill to uh, swallow. So we got rid of somebody who did not work, and I wish Nikhil Harry all the best in Chicago, hoping that Chicago can get something out of him, which is what we couldn't do. So this basically gets a little bit of our wide receiver situation cleared up a little bit. Because a lot of people, myself included, thought he was probably getting cut if there was no offers out there. And my guess is he didn't get traded up until this point because no team really had interest, number one. Or number two, what the Patriots wanted was not good enough. Patriots probably wanted more than what teams were willing to take. And eventually, Chicago probably threw this offer out and they went with it so this is what is the situation with the Patriots so Patriots now have a totally um, different look going into the season with Tyquan Thornton now Nikhil Harry's gone um, and here's where we're at so we have Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, uh, little Jordan Humphrey who came from the Saints. We have former 7th round pick last year, um, Trey Nixon, the new guy, Devontae Parker, from the Dolphins. 
Malcolm Perry, who's kind of just been in and out since um, 2021 with Patriots. Um, Matthew Slater, who is definitely more special teams than anything. And Kristen Wilkerson, who had shining moments, but was not really the greatest overall. And then obviously I just said uh, Taekwon Thorpe. So this is all the guys we have. And... Trey Nixon actually looked good in training camp so far um, in the early early sort of reps he was getting with uh, Mac Jones. They kind of connected, and sometimes that's what you need, right? First-round pick, Mac Jones, trying to find the right receivers. So I think he could, he could fill in. There's a lot of wide receivers here, and I don't really think they're all going to have a spot. So there's just going off of the numbers... Um, 11 but obviously one of those is Matthew Slater so he is more special teams than anything but he is a wide receiver by trade um, so obviously Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker are your starting for the core four um, I think uh, we don't really know what Tyquan Thornton's going to bring but he could uh, step above uh, Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Aguilar or uh, any of these guys um, after that, it's a question mark on who's left. Um, after that, I don't really know what direction they're going to go in in terms of the potential players that they uh, are going to have on their wide receiver core. Um, I think there's a case to be made for a few of these guys. And so I think what we're going to see, and this is just my opinion, is we're going to see Ty Montgomery, who is like a running back slash wide receiver. He is going to be sort of the bottom level guy the last guy on the list and then you're going to have Kristen Wilkerson who is going to be a special teams or practice squad probably just practice squad and then Malcolm Perry is going to get tossed uh he'll get released and probably also little Jordan Humphrey who might be practice squad more likely than not get tossed because if you think about what they got they got a lot of uh, running backs who could get minutes and snaps, I should say, between Damian Harris, Kevin Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Pierre Strong Jr., and James White, depending on if he's healthy. So, yeah, I don't know exactly what their game plan is. And my best guess is they're going to at least try, you know, any number of these wide receivers. But I think, you know, training camp has... Um, you know, shown us who's uh, been good and who hasn't. Trey Nixon is a question mark to me because obviously uh, he's not the highest of regard since he was a seventh-round pick. But at the same time, he was someone who Mac uh, Jones really liked in the first going of summer football, and maybe that holds um, holds up and maybe it works out in the end. I think there's a ton of different players uh, at wide receiver that could stay or go question next we're just going to stick with football here is the cornerback situation so there's a lot of cornerbacks on this team we have justin Bedell, miles bryant malcolm butler jack jones jonathan jones marcus jones jalen mills terrence mitchell sean wade jojo williams there are a ton of guys who for one reason or another it seems like uh they could be impactful some not so much but it's interesting to see who's going to fill the role so 
A lot of people like that guy, Jack Jones, who was drafted out of um, Arizona State. Um, and he has the potential to do something. He was drafted in the fourth round, but he does have um, the potential to be uh, something. They drafted Marcus Jones a little bit higher. He looks like he's going to be probably more of a special teams guy than anything. Um, third round pick. But in terms of kind of the core of their group, Terrence Mitchell came in. I think Jalen Mills, um, you know, I think Malcolm Butler could have a, role, a big role. But then again, he hasn't really done much. Actually, hasn't really played since... Um, 2020 and 2021 he was on the Cardinals practice squad and then was uh not really doing anything there and then uh came to the Patriots and was in New England for three years um I don't really think he's gonna do much with the Patriots and I honestly don't know if he's really gonna have any sort of role with them as a starter he's definitely probably gonna be someone just for um the backup spot I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but that's just my own opinion. So I think, uh, you know, he's not going to fill that. I think uh, Jalen Mills is probably your best uh, cornerback. And then um, you're going to have to kind of see who else can kind of step up because they lost J.C. Jackson, who was their clear number one, and now they got to try and fill that uh, specifically. Um, and so we got to see what's going on with... Um, with the Patriots cornerbacks because there's a bunch of them. And yeah, that's the, the situation. So I want to now move on to the Celtics, which we've been talking about the Celtics a lot, but there's a lot to talk about. And the first bit of uh, information comes from Summer League. J.D. Davidson was the 53rd overall pick, came to Boston in the second round, but could be more than just the 53rd pick. Having 28 points, 10 assists, double-double for J.D. Davidson, who is impressing. He um, hitting his threes. Um, looks like someone who is a two-way player, but could be a little bit better than a two-way player. 28 points, 10 assists, uh, 5 rebounds, 3 steals. He's looking like someone who could do something. And I did see a lot of mock drafts where he was very higher on the board than he ended up and I saw I saw a few drafts where he was close to the first round if not a first round pick and then it became more of a second round pick and I think the tough part of all of this is when you're talking about everything involving summer league you're playing against guys majority of which are not going to crack an NBA roster they're going to be G League guys they're going to be overseas guys they're going to be back end of the NBA roster if you got them Obviously, there are your first-round picks, and there are your second-round picks, and there are guys who are going to have a much expanded NBA role, but there are a lot of guys who won't. So your talent level, it's just not the same. And also, if you think about it, not many of the guys on this sort of uh, summer league team for the Celtics are going to really have an expanded role with the team, right? You don't have a top number one overall pick. They haven't had number one overall picks in a long time, and it just seems like J.D. Davidson's getting his chance to shine, which is great, but you also got to figure that he's also playing against and playing with guys who probably aren't going to have a big role in the NBA or with the team. So 
it's a different situation than regular basketball because you're playing against all these players that many of which won't crack the NBA roster at the end of the day. Um, but he was doing pretty good, and if he can keep it up, then it gives the Celtics enough of a uh, boost to say, look, we got someone who could be a real uh, winner on our hands. So I want to take a second and talk about another guy who could be uh, filling in potentially for the Celtics in a very important backup third string center position role, which could end up being uh, Mafundu Kabengale. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was a first round pick with the Clippers. And that was his um, that was his position in the draft. And he had seven points and seven rebounds in um, the last game they played. And he's someone who, in certain circumstances, has been solid for summer league. Not obviously like top tier, but good enough. Um, could he get a role as a backup center? Could he be someone who has what it takes? He had 20 points and 13 rebounds against Golden State in the game before. Um, and again, this is not going to be super crazy, you know, role for him. He's not going to have like top tier minutes. But the game against Milwaukee, he had 15 points, 11 rebounds. So is it something where they could just take a flyer on him and hope he works out? And if not, during the rest of the season or at the deadline, they fill that backup center spot. Could they go out there and be buyers at the deadline and fill that center spot and for now put him in there? Because he could do something. I don't know if he will, but if Summer League is an indication, he's been doing pretty solid outside of the last game. So J.D. Davidson stepping up and also Kabengale. I mentioned uh, Matt Ryan also uh, stepping up. Um, as well uh decent showings for him and yeah he's been pretty solid so far so here is the next question that i have to bring up because so i was looking at an article um which comes from yahoo sports which is question would danny Ainge have made the moves for the boston celtics that brad stevens has so I just want to talk about the question at hand and give you my answer, which is probably not. And I'm going to tell you why. So one thing that we saw from Brad Stevens that we have never seen when Danny Ainge was there is the sort of ease of trading draft picks. Now, Danny Ainge wanted to hoard draft picks when a lot of people thought, okay, you shouldn't really be doing that. And I'm going to be honest, there were some times where he tried to trade a bunch of draft picks look at getting justice winslow with the charlotte hornets trade that didn't happen there were a few first round picks going out there danny Ainge viewed draft picks more so than a lot of people and brad stevens i think feels the same way to an extent but what brad stevens has done has said is this draft pick going to be better than what i get out of a trade involving this draft pick so he looks at these deals is Derek White more important to this team than the first round pick that would have come at 25? Is Malcolm Brogdon more important than the top 12 protected first round pick that's going next year? 
And if you can look at that in the, you can say that pick's good, but not good enough compared to what we're getting in return. That's great. I don't think Danny Ainge would have made the same moves. And I've said this before um, on this podcast. The trade with Josh Richardson for Derek White um, wouldn't have happened because one of two things would have stalled this from Danny Ainge's perspective. He would have said, yes, I'll throw in the pick, but I'm not doing the pick swap in 2028. And number two, he would have said, I'll do the pick swap, but not a first round pick. And also, he loved Romeo Langford so much because he drafted the guy. And so, at the end of the day, I don't think Danny Ainge would have did a lot of the same moves that Brad Stevens did. I'm kind of up in the air on the Al Horford trade. I don't really think he would have made that move, especially because he brought in Kemba. And I think he wouldn't have wanted to give up that pick. But I think that was one deal where I think he would have been more... um, open to it compared to the Brogdon trade, which I don't think he would have made because giving up Nesmith probably wouldn't have been a good thing for him. And then also just um, the draft pick. Um, So I don't really think he would have made the same moves that uh, Brad Stevens has made. And I think Brad Stevens has made the right moves and has done the right things and has been such a vital part of this group in this core. And so I want to pose the question, which it's a very hard question to pose at the moment, but I'm going to kind of look at the future potentially of the Celtics and kind of talk about this. So let's assume the Celtics have a dynasty with this group. Let's assume that Tatum and Brown and Malcolm Brogdon and Al Horford and these guys have a dynasty and they win multiple championships Maybe two championships over a five-year period. Maybe they make the finals a third time and lose. Um, You know, let's say they go two and two like LeBron. They lose to Golden State. Let's say they win one next year. They win another one. They lose one. Somewhere down the line. Would you say Brad Stevens is a better general manager in a shorter period of time than what Danny Ainge was for the Celtics? Because Danny Ainge got to the finals twice. He won once. He lost once. Couldn't get there with that other group. Um, And so if I'm asking that question, my answer would be yes. Brad Stevens is a better general manager than in this proposed scenario than Danny Ainge. Because Brad Stevens got the Celtics over that hurdle. When they got to the finals against Golden State, win or lose, he got them above that hurdle that Danny Ainge could not go through. There was a bridge And Danny Ainge was walking on that bridge, and there was a piece missing. And he couldn't get to the next piece. And he couldn't get across the bridge. And Brad Stevens has yet to get across that bridge. He hasn't won an NBA Finals. But he has gotten farther than Danny Ainge has. And that is something to me that it matters. And so if Brad Stevens wins one championship... And let's say he gets to the finals a couple of times, you know, I think his legacy for Boston will be far greater than Danny Ainge's. Even though Danny Ainge played here, he won championships here, he was a general manager here, he's done so much. I think if that one championship comes to the Celtics and all of this work has come to Boston, then I think he might be a little bit better on the board. And also, he's made great moves. Brad Stevens has not, in my opinion, made a move that I can say, yeah, he's he's messed that one up. He's failed. 
Like there hasn't been any moves that I've seen out of him that could easily be a loss. Like everything is just, it's been a win. And it's just something that it's its possibly uh, all wins so far. And I think, you know, every move Brad Stevens has made has been very calculated. And it's going to work. Um, and even some of the moves that seem like they're just not going to work out, like the moves that maybe it didn't seem like they were the best for the Celtics, some of them work out in the end. And small moves like adding in Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier, you know, they traded away Juancho Hernan Gomez, got that trade exception, traded those guys to Orlando to get a second-round pick out of it. So it's a cycle of stuff. Granted, that pick is top whatever protected, but, you know, the Celtics are making things happen, man. And I think Brad Stevens, if he can win a championship, it might be a better general manager run than Danny Ainge. Yes, Danny Ainge got Tatum and Brown and whatnot, but, you know, I think there's the possibility... Um, that uh, he could be uh, not as good as Brad Stevens. So I want to switch gears for a second and look at an article, um, Boston Celtics. Um, it was Hardwood Houdini uh, targets for that $17.1 million trade exception. Now, I think they're going to just let that ride away, and they're not going to use it. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to probably be smaller trade exceptions that um, actually take place, but... Uh, yeah, I think uh, they're not going to really um, do much out of it. So the three names on their list, and they look at three of them. First is Derek Favors, and I think Derek Favors could be an obvious choice as a backup center. He could play the four or the five, and I think he's great for his you know career. He's just been a journeyman who's been a decent veteran. A little bit undersized for what I think the Celtics are looking for because really a lot of their guys who play the center are probably going to be undersized. So I don't know if he's the ideal choice, but if it's a cheap option and if you want someone who has the veteran experience, which is probably what they need, not too bad. Then they throw out Jordan Clarkson, which they say pass, which I agree because we have no real use for Jordan Clarkson. Um, if... The Celtics were looking at guys from Utah. I don't know if he'd be the option. And then we got number three on the board, which is Jakob Portal. And I'm going to pass on him, too. They put him in the article. And I don't think he's worth it because he's a great player and all. But you're going to have to give up a first-round pick to get him. And they don't need a first-round pick center. They got Robert Williams. He's a starter-level center on a great team. It just doesn't work. So he's not going to be a bench player for the Celtics because they'd be paying too much for that. So they'd more so go after someone like Derek Favors or another center who might cost you a second-round pick or two because there's no real reason for them to go out there and be like, I'm going to give away a bunch of assets for... Um, going to give up a bunch of assets for... Uh, you know, someone like that. And as much as I think he's a great player, I just don't think they need him because they already have Robert Williams. So that's the situation. Next on the board is some potential Donovan Mitchell trade rumors. And it seems like the Knicks are the front runners. But could Danny Ainge take a little uh, lesson from the Kevin Garnett trade and apply that to the Boston Celtics? 
So I don't think the Celtics are going to go for Donovan Mitchell. If it was a small forward or a power forward, potentially they could go and try and add him in. There is a chance that Donovan Mitchell could come to Boston, but I think there are other teams that probably have more to offer. Um, but could Danny Ainge repay the Celtics' favor like Kevin McHale did with Kevin Garnett? So let's be real. Kevin Garnett got traded for Al Jefferson, some draft picks, and a bag of balls. Like, he got nothing. And um, Kevin Garnett came to Boston and was great, right? Could the Celtics get Donovan Mitchell for a bunch of draft picks and, like, some other stuff. Danny Ainge loves Marcus Smart. He loves Robert Williams. Could the Celtics trade two of those guys, uh, those two guys, and get in Donovan Mitchell, right? Because potentially Donovan Mitchell could be your starting shooting guard. Potentially he could be your starting guard. And let's just say they do trade away Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and some firsts for Donovan Mitchell. You could put Malcolm Brogdon as your starting point guard, and you could put Al Horford at the center and have Malcolm Brogdon, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum Brown, and Al Horford. And then, obviously, you can go out there and trade for a backup center or try and make this a bigger three-team deal where you get a backup center in the process. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, in the case of getting in Donovan Mitchell... And also adding in um, or trading away Robert Williams and um, Marcus Smart or Robert Williams and someone else. Then I could see them going for a Yaka Portal trade because he could be a starter. Um, and then you could put Horford on the bench. But if you don't, then Horford would be your starter and you could find a bench center. Um, they don't want to play back-to-back -back games for Al Horford. So um, he wouldn't be a starter every night. But he'd be their primary starter. So, in terms of a situation involving Donovan Mitchell, I think that's far more likely than a Kevin Durant trade because the price is going to be a lot less than what is a trade for Durant. Because, let's be honest, Durant's going to cost you Jalen Brown. And I know Celtics fans don't want to trade Jalen Brown, and that's fine. But you're just not going to get Kevin Durant, and that's fine too. Uh... I think if they're open to trading away Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and all the draft picks that the Utah Jazz want, it's possible. Because you got to think about this, right? The New York Knicks could go after Donovan Mitchell, and they probably will. But the amount of draft picks they can trade away are great, but the players don't always fill it, right? Like Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin, those are good players, but... Like, Marcus Smart's light years ahead of uh, Manuel Quickly. And Robert Williams is light, here, light years ahead of Obi Top. So, the Celtics, let's say they only have four first-round picks to trade, or three first-round picks to trade. They'll be trading two guys who Danny Ainge drafted and also have a lot of value. So, do I think the Celtics should go for Donovan Mitchell? Probably not. But if they pick up the phone and the right deal comes up, Maybe they do something. Because he is 25. He is someone who fits on Tatum and Brown's timeline. Yes, we have a bunch of guards already, but you'd have to trade away one to, to make this work. So it's possible that this is a deal that happens. But more likely than not, Donovan Mitchell goes to one of the other teams out there in the NBA. Minus the Lakers, who have nothing to offer. i got to be honest with you. I've been following this situation with Russell Westbrook. 
and Kyrie and how the Lakers don't want to give up first-round picks to get Kyrie. I mean, the Lakers are a franchise that's just old, and I don't see them having much to offer when it comes to a trade in general just because I don't think they have enough to, to really do much. So a Kyrie for Westbrook trade with draft picks could be um, good for them. But back to the Celtics, I don't think they're going to get Donovan Mitchell. I think um, he is probably going to get traded. Now, something else I just want to talk about, now that uh, I kind of talked about Donovan Mitchell, um, and uh, this is just something I was thinking about. So Danny Ainge is more open to trading Donovan Mitchell, but yet wasn't open to trading Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And Donovan Mitchell is not as good as Tatum, but he's on the same level as Jalen Brown. So my question is, why is Danny Ainge now deciding with this new team in Utah, oh, let's get rid of Gobert, let's get rid of Donovan Mitchell. But yet with the Celtics, you know, here comes AD, here comes, you know, all these players. You could have had Kawhi Leonard for Jalen Brown. Um, I'm not saying they should have did any of those moves. I'm just wondering why now he's in Utah and it's a totally different story. Um, yeah, I don't really know why that's the case.